0: Okay, I guess we've reached the designated time, so go ahead and get started. Uh, This is Cultural Humility in Healthcare. Thanks for coming. Um, It's an interactive session, so hopefully people are still awake um, and not too traumatized by the snow, and we'll be able to to jump in um, just to share, ask questions. Hopefully we'll have a great time uh, together. So just as an introduction, uh, my name is David Narita. I'm a family physician. My family and I, we served in northwest Cambodia for 13 years, and most of our activity there was in church planting, um, but I did also teach at a, a pediatric residency program. So some of the um, uh, examples that I'll use today are from that time when I was teaching. So why this talk about cultural humility? Um, We all want to provide excellent care to our patients, and sometimes giving good care, or actually all the time giving good care isn't just about what we know, but how we deliver that. And then even beyond that, how that information is received by the patient. So it's not just our knowledge and experience, but um, our understanding of how culture and worldview impact that reception of knowledge um, from the patient. So that's what we hope to talk about today. Um, The humility part comes in where we're not so much wanting to be heard, but we want to hear from the patient. We want to hear from others. So in terms of objectives today, um, recognize culture influences how health and healthcare are defined, sought, and delivered. Um, Appreciate our own cultural biases, and and we're going to spend some uh, time digging into that review a framework that can aid in developing cultural competency, and explore case studies to reinforce these principles in practice. So let me um, jump in with a with a case study at the beginning. So Pat was a 12-year-old uh, girl in, with end-stage congestive heart failure. She had rheumatic heart disease, and she had been in the ICU on pressers. Um, we were hoping that we could stabilize her enough that she could... Um, get back home and spend, uh, spend some time at home before she passed away. You know, her, her prognosis was really uh, days uh, at the most. So we were on rounds, and, the, um, and so Payak's, uh parents were there. And the Buddhist cardiologist uh, um, stopped to, um, to say something to the parents. And he said, um, your daughter's very sick. Uh, she might die. But in Australia, they do these heart transplants, and they're very expensive. And if you can raise enough money, you can go to Australia and get this heart transplant. And the parents asked, well, you know, is she going to have a normal life afterwards? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, she could get married. She could have kids. You guys will be grandparents. Um, And... Uh, immediately after um, rounds, I went back to try to, t- to find the parents and uh, I couldn't find them, and the nurse said that the parents had actually gone back to their village. They started to plant vegetables, they wanted to raise um, some money so that their daughter could get this heart transplant in Australia. And sadly, uh, the next day Sopaette died alone in that ICU. So, cultural competence, um, the ability to understand, communicate with, and effectively interact with people across cultures. That sounds like a great thing, you know, and I think it's, I don't think anybody ever attains that. Um, But I hope today we can talk about a method to try to maybe not gain cultural competence, but at least to be able to more effectively communicate to our patients. so um so, the first step um, in cultural humility is learning more about culture and really starting with our own, just realizing that our own backgrounds, um, how we 're raised, the values that our families instilled in us, that actually impacts health it, it impacts what we think is healthy, um, how we seek care, how we receive care um, and just understanding how deeply that's, um, that's uh, ingrained in us. So um, there's a book by Lynn Payer. She was a, um, a New York Times author who spent some time in Europe. And um, she wrote this book about her experiences there. While living in Europe, I was struck by the differences between U.S. and European medicine. Why did the French talk about their livers all the time? Why did the Germans blame their hearts for their fatigue? Why did the British operate so much less than the Americans? Why didn't my French friends become upset when I said I had a virus? So I'm not sure if you've you've lived in different cultures before and and just seen some of the differences of how we perceive our health compared compared to other cultures or maybe friends from... um, from other places, but she compiles some statistics just to sort of show how different this is. So she said, "Consider drug doses have varied 10 to 20 times in strength from country to country. You know, we think that we we choose a scientific dosage, but it varies that much. French people have been seven times more likely to receive their drugs in a suppository form. So don't get your care at a French doctor's place." <laughs> Um, low blood pressure has been treated with 85 different medications and hydrotherapy in Germany. Mastectomy rates have been three times higher in New England than in England. American rates for coronary bypass have been 28 times that of some European countries. And doctors in different countries diagnose different causes of death when shown the identical information. So why do these differences exist? I mean, it's multifaceted. So, you know, we could say, you know, maybe it's access to care. Um, you know, maybe there's more access to cardiologists in America. Um, and that's why they're getting more uh, more surgeries or um, more cath labs. You know, um, <clears throat> maybe it's, um, it's uh, differences in patient populations. You know, we know that some patient populations are more affected by hypertension or by diabetes than others. Um, but a large part of, of these differences um, is truly a reflection of our values. Um, for example, some countries value thought, so they're going to reimburse consultations. Uh, in America, we value action, so we reimburse procedures. Um, our Our culture, Korean culture, spends a lot of money um, changing people's physical forms, right? But some other cultures, they try to preserve it, and they spend a lot of money preserving the human form. I use this cartoon um, to demonstrate um, these cultural values and how it changes our perception. So, you know, two women uh, in a bikini and a um, niqab, and the woman in the bikini says, everything covered but her eyes. What a cruel male-dominated culture. But then the woman in the niqab says, nothing covered but her eyes. What a cruel male-dominated culture. So both of them have the assumption that the other person, you know, is being controlled um, in, in what they're wearing um, because of this male-dominated culture. Um, but maybe their choice is an expression of their values. Um, you know within the specific world for you within their context so I don't know maybe the the woman in the bikini for her wearing that bikini is self expression and it's um independence and the person in the uh, niqab maybe that's um, uh you know associating with a specific community uh traditionalism or modesty um, so these um the um, the expressions of those values can often be hidden. So when we think about our culture, um, we want to think about the main values in play in, in in the situation that we find ourselves in. So as we um, as we are trying to figure out our best response for. Um, for that patient or in that situation, ask ourselves what are our values in that You know that can uh, impact how i 'm expressing the knowledge and experience um, the advice that I might be giving, and what are their values, and how does that impact the um, reception of that knowledge and, and advice that that I might be giving? So in this situation, so we had so Pat, the 12-year-old girl, um, who was uh, dying of heart disease, and the cardiologist who told her parents about this heart transplant, which I should say is really uh, completely unrealistic for her family. Uh, in Cambodia, You know, the average family might be making $2 a day. Um, so something like flying to Australia from Cambodia would be it's 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 completely unattainable um but um you know what was that cardiologist thinking what what are what are the values that um that caused him to say what he did so what do you guys think what what are my values or what are your values um when you think about that little girl why did that create a a groan in your spirit yeah you felt. Being mm. and i'm wondering if the cardiologist hope over being yeah yeah so you found authenticity um, honesty yeah yeah what else for yeah in, in that kind of situation my first
1: thought is i want her to be with her family i yeah. want her to be cared for yeah. And not to be alone. That's
0: yeah. my biggest concern. Yeah. Yeah, that nobody should die alone. Yeah. Yeah. Value the yeah. So you valuing dying well. So wh- what do you mean by dying well? Uh, like how you don't care, like dying, you know, with no pain, surrounded by your family and your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Significance, joy, yeah, in those final moments. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. Other side of the coin? Maybe family wanted to do whatever they could. And in their mind let's go back and plant and mm-hmm. know, yeah.
1: realistically they didn't know it
0: was going to be a fallen day. Right. Like, right. So well let's let's yeah. Sorry. I hear what you're saying. Let's let's stay on our yeah, with our values, like what's you know, what um, what are we thinking?
1: thinking, okay, what's, for the family,
0: maybe they didn't want to be there with the, with the patient. No. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else um, in terms of like our values? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think for me it was that no, nobody should die alone, especially a child. Um, and I think we brought up these ideas, uh, autonomy, transparency, informed decision-making. You know, we just feel like the the parents needed all the information to be able to make a good decision. Um, yeah, they they deserve that. I think, you know, we, we think that way. What about the cardiologist, this Buddhist cardiologist? What do you think he was thinking? What's his main value? Yeah. Um, I think he wanted to be open and honest, probably so giving all options, yeah again, I think that unfortunately, like I don't even know how we would have done a heart transplant We're in rural Cambodia it's not um i think it's it was a very it was it's an extremely far reach uh, like almost impossible, but yeah, maybe maybe giving some of the options. What else? Yeah. It, it sounds like he was struggling with his own values of death and dying. Yeah. And that the impending death
2: might have been more than his own values could embrace. So so to think beyond that, even though it wasn't realistic, was where he personally was
0: going. Yeah. So struggling with uh, death and dying. Yeah. That, I didn't know if there was a hand over here. I. Yeah, that's... That's what it is, you know. As a Buddhist, one of the tenets of Buddhism is that we're not supposed to cause suffering, right? And talking to that family that causes suffering in him, right? And it causes suffering in the family, um, and it's it's a very un-Buddhist thing to do, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this idea of just just trying to pinpoint our our values. We didn't even get into the values of the family yet. Um, yeah, but that's that's to come. <laughs> so um, um, learning about culture and trying to pinpoint these values. And the next is investing in language. Um, learn to sp- speak a language if you're somewhere long-term, you're working with the same pop- population long-term, um, or use a trained interpreter. So I think... It's a, it's very hard when there when you're sitting there with a family member who speaks the language and can, and speaks English, you know, and can interpret for you. To not use them and to call a language line or call an interpreter, but um, but we all know the pitfalls of that, especially when we're dealing with um, very serious, uh, heavy topics, um, like end of life. Um, so, it's important to use somebody who. Who, um, who is trained as an interpreter. But I say it's, it's better if you could learn the language because you do learn more about the culture as you learn learn the language. So if you're long-term, um, it's, um, it's good to invest in that. I encourage you to invest in that. The next is to ask questions with an attitude of learning. Don't assume, don't stereotype. So, some of us may have been to other cultural competency types of lectures and a lot of times they talk about, you know, um, this um, ethnic group they think this way or this ethnic group thinks this way. Um, and, and that might be true, but I encourage you not to put everybody in the same box because we're all individuals and um, you just don't know what those person's values are unless you ask them. Um, and maybe you might have some ideas of where that might go. Um, maybe they might not express things completely to you, but but try to get them involved in this um, in this discussion because that helps to develop that relationship and develops that um, they know that you're you care about them as people and that you're trying to engage them as individuals. Um, so, try to avoid asking um leading questions too. I think that's that's a hard one um, A lot of times when we 're in a rush, we say, "So you don't think this, do you <laughs> we don't want to do that. We just want to leave it open what are you know what what is important to you in this um, you know why did that happen the way that it did and so that 's what I did with the with the cardiologist i said so um." So why did you say that to the to the family? What do you see as our um, our role as healthcare workers? Um, what do you guys think his response was? I'm sure it had everything to do with she yeah, it had everything to do with Buddhism. Yeah, so that avoidance of suffering. Yeah. And I think over here you're saying or some I, somebody was saying giving the the family something to do where they were actually involved in it, um, yeah, removing them from that suffering um, yeah, so he said, you know as providers, we should be giving people hope, we should allow the parents to feel like they're doing something to help. Uh, we should remove them from this difficult situation and to me honestly um, that was I said thank you because I didn't really I didn't really think of it that way Um, I didn't really um, to me it was important for the family to understand what was going on so that they could be with that with that little girl and then the fourth is involve them in their own solutions so so, what are those next steps um, so that they can develop ownership in that um, they can trust in that solution, and then those solutions would be more culturally appropriate and and resource appropriate. Um, you know so so what could have been sort of the next steps in in this case uh, with this family? to that or I'm sorry uh, after that so so say if I was able to catch the family uh, before they went went to the village so for me it would be at that point it would be the
2: open ended questions you know what, what did you think about what the cardiologist said to you yeah um, because because part of part of my ongoing um, effort to seek to understand is is even though that this would distress me mhm from from where they were, were they Buddhist? Mm-hmm. And
1: would they not have seen that as a as a um, difficult situation that, that they actually had gone to try and start something Right. That would have been more comforting to them than not taking that opportunity once they were told
0: that? Right, right. Yeah, we don't know what their value system is. And maybe their values do align with the cardiologist and... Um, it's it's hard to know without asking. Yeah. Yeah, so asking them what they thought the the cardiologist about what the cardiologist said. Yeah, what are some other approaches? Yeah. I think also asking them what they understood about their daughter's situation and yeah. outcome. I can't emphasize more of those open ended questions. Yeah. So what do you understand about your daughter's situation? Yeah. Because he did say that she, she might die, but did, do they realize how, how soon that is?
1: Yeah. And it's so yeah. closer for us to say, well, how can you not be by your daughter with a possibility of death? Right. We're not recognizing maybe there's honor in bringing the whole family and working together with the land, knowing that the corn will not be ready even if there's no possibility financially. Right. But that closeness... that
0: Brings that family together in honor of... I'm
1: sorry, I forgot her name. Uh, so Pat, so, yeah. Um, that, at least
3: where I grew up, how can you not be by her son? Right, so,
0: right. This is a different perspective. This is a family coming together in her honor. Right. Yeah, so just being so careful that we're not imposing our values on, on the family and developing a treatment plan around our values rather than, than the family's. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the other things, too, um, I'm going to these stereotypes that I was saying just to be careful of, but you, people will say, you know, that um, in certain cultures that you never tell the patient what their diagnosis is. I don't know if you've heard that before. So so um, some Asian cultures or Hispanic culture, you never tell mom, you know, that she, what her prognosis is, but you, you talk to the family. And that's, that's true in... A lot of cultures that are community oriented more than individual, you know, individual oriented. So you know, as Americans, we're all about the individuals and self autonomy and things like that. But but in other cultures, it's um, it's appropriate for the family to be involved. You know, one one person was saying it's an anti HIPAA um, thing. So you know, HIPAA is that we can only tell the patient, um, you know, about their diagnosis and and um, and this is anti-hippo. We can't tell the patient. We have to tell everybody else, you know, about the the patient's diagnosis and prognosis. Um, so in these in these situations, it might be good to sort of do this triangle and not talk to even the parents specifically about SOPA and you know what a treatment plan might be, but to bring in um, some an, another family member or somebody in the community um, um, to, to talk, to talk with them, um, so that you could pass information to that person and then that person can contextualize it based on what they know about Sopak's parents and then present it to Sopak's parents. And then there's an opportunity to clarify things too, like what do you understand about, about this, um,
2: Yeah. I, I live in a in a community with a high Asian refugee uh, population. And, mm-hmm. um, my biggest interventions and problem solving and turnarounds with families was the mistaken overlay of Western beliefs onto end of life or long culture. Mm-hmm. And and oh my goodness, you do not want the elders upset with you. Yeah. Um, so so it really it is it is that fine line of cultural diversity the shame and honor culture, Western culture. Um, but if we're, if we're trying not to cause harm, and we've been invited into their lives, say in the last 24 hours
0: of their life, and, and are we going to turn around their belief systems? I mean, we right. can cause a lot of
2: pain. In, right, uh, right. By trying to overlay
0: our Western Yeah, things. and remove people from this, the community support systems that have been in place in that community. Yeah. You yeah. said... How do you process? Your question that you said was, how do you process health information or?
2: So, 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 the, so the cultural diversity, the shame and honor. You know, you know we, we're called to to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. At the same time that there's HIPAA laws, um, but even even within your healthcare team, uh, a lot of that navigation was bringing. Um, I was very fortunate in the, in the critical care service line that I was um, had responsibility in. Over time, the ability to bring the key the key leads of each of the uh, disciplines handling that together mm-hmm. and then determining who the appropriate person was in that culture mm-hmm. to speak with took yeah. some time to get there. But then the recognition that that it actually created a better scenario. If we really were patient-centered, that it really did create a better experience for the patient to do it within the boundaries of how they would have expected to receive information. Yeah,
0: healthcare. yeah, yeah. So just starting with that question, how do you receive healthcare care information? Um, yeah, and then trying to who identify makes, the right people. Who makes the decision yeah who makes the decisions in your community and family yeah 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 you know so for in this situation, you know maybe having one of the parent you know saying you know do you want to bring a community elder in or uh you know other family members in, and we could we could talk about this together, um, you know, but involving the community that way um, yeah what are some other? Other ways that we can maybe approach this. If, if I could
2: just call this out. Yeah. We, we of faith have the ability to pray. Mm-hmm. And, and to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Um, because when there are no clear answers, some, sometimes that's, that's our gift. Uh-huh. To, to just... Listen for the still small voice of of how do we how do we as people mm-hmm. navigate in that circumstance?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. We can pray and just ask God to give us wisdom in these situations, and how we might be able to um, help share some of the hope that we have uh, with a family in this type of situation. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, Oh, sorry, that was that, that same slide. Um, you know, so, some of the other things that, you know, that we um, that we might be able to offer it, you know, is, you know, ways that the family could be involved in keeping their daughter comfortable. You know, whether it's keeping her mouth moist or, you know, if if the family wants to be doing something, keeping her mouth moist or feeding her or turning her in her bed, uh, those types of things. Um yeah, giving, giving the, the family a, a chance to make that time somehow significant and have meaning. Um, whether that's saying goodbyes or whatever that looks like. I think uh, one person was saying before, um, just having that, that meaning and significance for her. Yeah, anything else on this, in this example? Right, and that's that's what um, this gentleman over here said. You know, maybe the family needed to be back um, back in their village. You know, what the cardiologist is saying, remove the family from the situation is, is the most culturally appropriate thing. So we just need to ask. We just need to ask for what they want to do. Yeah.
2: Had never maybe given a family this false hope, and unrealistic hope, that they never would have had, like, this honor and shame of, like, worrying about taking matters into their own hands. Mm-hmm. So then it's, like, um, not, like, just trying to, like, fix things so our values are being honored, but, like, they, they wouldn't have had to necessarily leave the child alone, because they never would have thought, like, they
0: had to go do something. Right, right yeah so I think um the way that it that it sort of played out it was the cardiologist's values that were being honored in that, and we never did find out what the what the parents' values were and we weren't able to honor that but I think ultimately that's what we want to do is is dig down deep enough so that we really can 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 uh, help this to play out in a way that Best meets the, the needs of the patient and, and her family. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that part of involvement closure would be, I mean, if he had a chance to actually go to the family after, in the worst case scenario, the patient passed away, would he actually go to the community and meet the family?
0: And if uh, that, that closure was there? Oh, cardiology? if the, if the cardiologist, cardiologist could go back and, and sort of say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honoring that community. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you guys all pros? Let's uh, let's move to the next case. Okay, so Ned was an 11-year-old boy. I worked at a children's hospital, so they're all... <laughs> Ned was an 11-year-old boy. He fell out of a tree. He broke his arm. There's bones sticking out of his arm. Went to... Um, several traditional healers where they, um, they packed that arm, those bones, with, um, with herbs um, and ash. And after um, several days, he arrived in our hospital in Tetany. So he was paralyzed and intubated. And if he survived, just a very long and expensive hospital stay ahead of him. So the residents asked um, why we're treating this patient when it's so expensive? Why are we treating this little boy? So, um, so what are your values in this? Or our, our values? Why are we treating that little boy? Yeah. We value him. His life is worth more than money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what are some other... young he has a great prognosis um i mean he doesn't have a great prognosis but his prognosis is good because he's doesn't have other pre-existing conditions and he has his whole life ahead of him 11, 11 year old boy right yeah so um we're created in god's image all life has value it's it's not about money not about resources i had given this talk last year and um and you know it was right after covid and and one of the people i brought up um, that sort of deeper in our you know all life has value and we and we fight for life he had said it's because we basically come from a resource um, rich background and you know our resources have no bottom i mean we can in most of our healthcare systems we could just keep Tapping, tapping, and and provide that. But I think in COVID, one of my coworkers, he's a ER doc, and um, we realized that that isn't always true. And you know, for him, it was so hard. There was people who were coming in to the into his ER that would have normally gotten uh, treatment, but they had to triage patients, and and those patients um, didn't get the treatment they would have normally received. You know, had it not been. In the midst of a pandemic, um, so um, yeah, just even realizing where some of our our values come from and the context that it comes from. Yeah, and then what about the residents? What what do you think their values were? Is he Cambodian? The, rest- the residents are Cambodian. Yeah, yeah. Un- oh, I'm. Yeah, the financial burden on the family. Yeah. Um, fortunately, our hospital was free, but that's a extremely good point. That you know, in Cambodia, a lot of people—well, I should say—in uh, a lot of the developing world and in the U.S., people go into incredible debt um, from from medical treatment. Yeah. Was there a possibility, as
2: well, that? Um, it- what would be the quality of life based on how the child initially
0: presented, even though you saved his life? What would his quality of yeah, life be? Yeah, what is his prognosis um, going to be Yeah. afterwards? Yeah.
3: I'm thinking that this is a situation where there are so many needs for so many people that it does become like a triage situation mm-hmm. where they're thinking. What we're going to, all the resources that we're going to put into trying to save this
1: boy's life can help dozens or hundreds of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. We do that. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, very much like we want to do the most good for the most people. This very utilitarian approach. And, you know, we, honestly, we saw hundreds of people in the outpatient clinic every day. Um, And his care, just one day of care in the ICU, is probably equivalent to 100 hundred of those patients that we saw in in, in the clinic. Yeah, did you have
1: a... Well, uh, just being back up, that's why we have different colored tapes on three of them. Okay? Mm-hmm. So all life has value, but in reality we're trained to actually assess that in the ROI, I the ROI, but mm-hmm. the return on that time and money investment Right. realistic as we... Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think, you know, the, the residents that are all Cambodian, they're, they're coming from, most of them are coming from, um, you know, families with not a lot of means, so it's, it's a very real thing for them, um, but you know, I was saying, well, we have this whole hospital <laughs> we have a and it's it's a, sort of a matter of degree in a way, but you know there's you know somebody in the bed next door with heart failure, and you know why are we treating that person, or why are we treating the um, kids with dengue um, you know there's where does it become too much you know in in that line, and how do we make that decision um so they came up with this other, this other thing, and they were saying, "Well, doesn't Ned deserve this? You know, because he, his parents chose to take him to traditional healers first, and aren't we fighting against Ned's fate or karma in this situation?" So, yeah. uh-huh yeah yeah, why you know the the family, if they had come at the very beginning, it would have been a you know maybe a little um internal fixation in the kids out, right, but now it's yeah, why do they get to be put in the front of the line, yeah yeah have any of you worked in uh, countries where there's the sense of karma or fate um, you know, and how did that impact health care and how did how did you get around those issues?
1: same belief in karma that
0: I have in Christ then I would have much more belief in Christ does that make
1: sense um, just that surety you mean the, the, the belief they have in what comes what comes to me if I had that same belief with okay God this is your will
0: mm-hmm. I, I would probably be a better Christian mm-hmm. that's, that's how I relate karma in- I see yeah in terms of like a trust type of thing yeah it doesn't always work very
1: well healthcare
0: because the idea is just, just let it go and see yeah. How out. Yeah, well look like I mean the person who um, was in a motor vehicle accident, you know, is it their karma to die? I mean who do we treat and who who don't we treat And How do what do we let go and what don't we let go? Um, th- there was a hand over here. Someone. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, it does affect healthcare because you see a lot less preventative care, you see a lot less um, active or like urgent treatment. Some is low resource, but some is very much just because this is how God wills. Yeah. And I think for myself, it really is about focusing on my values,
0: but then my calling as a follower of Jesus in my response to this clash of values. hmm. Yeah. So, what what have you found? You know, when you um, when you're somebody says, "Well, if Allah wills," how do you respond to that? Well, I try to be quick to pray first
2: before responding. I'm better some days than others, um, but then also just asking for wisdom, and sometimes it's just saying my perspective or asking those open-ended questions. But I think over the years, I've been living for 10 years, over the years I've become maybe less persistent of pushing my own values and being more willing to actually trust that God is still sovereign mm-hmm. and He isn't caught in a box between my Western values and their, their other values. Like, He is bigger. And so for myself, I've become a lot less
0: um, forceful in my mm. opinion,
2: at least at first. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I will
0: push harder depending on the situation. Yeah, but I have changed yeah. a lot. Yeah, so just understanding their values has changed your approach. Yeah. yeah, over time. Yeah.
2: or the, the, the karma was for this person. Mm. Because, because sometimes the crisis changes the, the, the moving to what they've been programmed to believe, which is it's Allah's will or this is just the karma. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all have difficulty thinking
0: clearly when we're in crisis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but, sometimes it's hard, it's hard to like sit down and have a conversation. You just want to Keep things moving, yeah. 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 In my experience, if people's
1: values change, the circumstances change. I think that's true here. People's values change, the circumstances change, yeah. Probably something else.
0: Yeah. It's a moving target. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they might fill their advanced directives out one way, but then when they're actually there, they're like, oh, maybe I want to change that, right? Yeah. So those values can, can change... So you just have to be asking. I think one thing that's interesting to to always ask, um, if you have time, <laughs> no, is is what causes what's causing this disease. Um, in Cambodia, we would say they're folk Buddhists, so they're they're Buddhists, um, but they have a lot of animistic values wrapped into it, and um, and as a result. Um, they believe that illness is caused by offending the, the spirits. So there's spirits that live in the rocks and trees and land, um, and those spirits cause illness. Um, and then, so the, the the cure or the treatment for that illness oftentimes would be, be a sacrifice of some sort to those. Um. So, <clears throat> you know, we talk about um, sort of the the sacred or the divine and and the body as being separate, you know. But in many cultures, that's very tied together. This what, what they call the excluded middle, right, where these things um, completely overlap. So there's always a, a spiritual component to health as as well as a physical component to health. Yeah, I think there was a comment up here. Yeah. Yeah, so this was, um, I mean, this case was in a, a government hospital. But yeah, when we were doing our church-based ministries, we'd always pray with patients and say, you know, that the creator God, the God that created your bodies and this whole earth and those spirits in the rocks and trees and land, um, he loves you and he cares for you and he can heal you. Yeah, He has. he has power over all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so we very much did. Yeah? Uh,
3: in some of the areas I've worked in East Africa, there's a preferential value or a bias for members of your own either clan or ethnic group and that um, you as a health care provider need to go the extra mile and to inter- to be much more willing to inter- being if it's the same clan or the same ethnic group that you're a part of. Mm. It, it's okay culturally to place less value on the persons from a different oh
0: from a different uh, ethnic group.
3: Different tribes. And um uh, it, it's just another layer of talent.
0: Yeah, yeah, those values, how how they see people, um, from different groups yeah and I think that could come into play a little bit in this in this case too you know where they were viewing Ned and his family as maybe uneducated and yeah and them as being educated you know in scientific medicine and um, you know oh it's it's a lesson for that family they should have come to us first you know type of thing yeah So um, so in this case, um, well, this is when I was trying to get into this fate idea with, with them. you know, like, well, if it's his fate to live, then we have to treat him, and'll we'll, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't know if his fate was to live if we don't treat him, but if his fate is to die, you, you know, how do, you know how do we know that, what his fate is? So why don't we try? Um, to treat him and then see and see what happens. Um, what are some other approaches that you could think of in terms of um, involving them in this in this care for treating Ned? I hate to ask, but does it matter? Yeah, I'm up- yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. I should say he did live.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, so... Um, so in the sense of, if you're
1: leaving it up to Christianity, God's will, karma, their understanding, right, right. For us to say whether, you know, it's decide what his faith is
0: or... Right. You know. it's, so, it's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah, how does this actually work? Um, you know, how do you actually make plans um, based on... Karma.
2: Um I think your yeah.
0: your last question
2: there would uh been a really great conversation with the residents. What are reasonable limits we can set?
3: Mm-hmm. So if we step away from the clip, what are what are the things we could treat, the technique, you know,
2: um, where could we start but then where would risk reasonable limits
0: be as we see if this mm-hmm. child's body will respond to treatment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and we went through sort of um, you know, okay, vent vent dependent. You know, for the next six weeks. You know what's gonna what is he gonna die from? You know what are the types of things that could happen? Um, and um, and you know we were saying you know the most likely cause that his his death is going to be is a ventilator-dependent pneumonia, right? So we we actually said, okay, we'll treat one pneumonia, but we won't treat a second. Um, And I I think the residents were happy with that idea. Um, And, um, you know, another thing that we said is, okay, so if he lives... um, wouldn't this be a tremendous um, message to the community to say, you know, he, well, certainly he would have died without the intervention of, of modern medicine, but also come to us a little earlier. You know, it's okay to, to go to traditional healers because traditional healers a lot of times addresses that spiritual component that, you know, we were talking about that, that causes disease, but come to us a little Earlier, before he's in tetanus, and um, and we can and we can help them. So it it, it provides maybe a, a win in the community. Um, yeah.
1: And I appreciate you saying that because it's very easy for us to knock the curanderos and the healing and the witches or wizards, whatever. You yeah. Want to know, and and say bad things or you should have never gone there. But at the end of the day, if you want to really earn that trust yeah
0: yeah yeah, I used to say you know the the traditional healers aren't our enemies um, you know, and what well, we were talking about the importance of community um, you know for us as as um as uh, Americans, we might say, well, you know that person we could take it take it or leave it, you know we don't need a relationship with that person, but within um Communities that are um, so integrated like that, that that healer pro- provides. I mean, that's a that's a community leader, and you want that person on your side. Um, whether you're advocating for, um, you know, for more preventive care or, or um, you know access to immunizations and modern medicine, or whether you're starting a church there, um, starting a, a church plant, and you want um People to be able to come uh, without fear of retaliation to to learn to read the Bible uh, or something like that okay any any other ideas or thoughts on this um, i um I have another um, case but I think it's probably good to just um, um to just go to to some questions and things, but just to say again that cultural humility, it's not knowing the right answers to things, but it's asking better questions and asking lots of questions. Um, And I think that's how we can best um, help the patients that we, that uh, the Lord brings us, um, develop that relationship with them and hopefully be able to share the hope uh, that we have in Christ and, be able to heal them not just physically but spiritually as well. Other questions or comments that you guys have on this topic? Yeah. Um, I think what you just said is in line with what one of my
2: questions is how do you balance or what is your experience then you balancing like the cultural humility and respecting others' cultures and spirituality while also really like with wanting to share tries with them. Like how do you balance those
0: conversations Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance those conversations? And they're conversations, so it doesn't have to be just one one way. So I think a lot of times you could say, you know, a value that I have as a as a Christian is this, you know, or you know, because I'm a Christian, this is the decision that I might make as as a family. You know, just putting putting that out there as part of that discussion to help people. And I think it becomes very natural uh that way um, yeah, to be able to share things that are much deeper than just than just the disease at hand or the situation at hand, yeah.
2: did what they did, yeah. And then, and then they came because it wasn't working. How many times do we not, as medical professionals in our own
3: lives, try to treat it ourselves or handle it ourselves, and then we get in a bind? Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And, and it's just trying to find that right bottle, that right form, where they could sort of understand um, um, what, we're, what we're, our hopes are, and you know it, they could receive it in a cultural and uh, according to their values, you know, in a way that uh, aligns with their values. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, at
3: our university, there's been a number of cycles but over the last. Years that I've been there about cultural sensitivity. Uh, we had an activist, anti racist <laughs> approach to cultural competency, and now we're, cultural humility is the paradigm that we're trying to work with yeah. students. And I'm not unhappy with it at an individual level, but, you know, probably at the public health professional, also, and, but, and just looking at the systems. Um, and from my church, a few blocks from where George Floyd was killed, and, oh. and uh, just some different systems approach that uh, this is harder. It is in, at, at a systems level and a population yeah,
0: uh, yeah.
3: level, and, and and more supportive of these cases, a uh, more
0: active. Yeah. Yeah, systems approaches versus, like, yeah, this is very individual, but I think in some ways it could be systems in terms of, like, what we were talking about. If it's, if you have a strong community, a strong sense of community, and it may be in your area or, or not, but, um, and it depends on what the issue is, but, you know, going to community and hearing opinions from the community, how does the community want to receive health or health advice? Um, you know, that might be um, a more, yeah, you know, cultural humility type of approach.
3: The of leadership, it was super interesting to watch that play out in COVID in, yeah. in our community. And it was especially challenging for me as an individual to see that the Somali imams uh, in Minneapolis and St. Paul very publicly said, we're going to get immunized. If the Christians want to die from COVID, we're <laughs> <dead or> <laughs> <laughs> so we'll going to die. Yeah. To not die. Yeah. Uh, that's gonna strengthen our community in Yeah. Africa, St. Paul.
0: The, they, they provided, uh, yeah. A uh Yeah, and for them in their their values they needed the leadership to, to speak yeah, out and say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're way too confident in our own culture. Our own culture has many, many negative aspects to it
3: that we tend to ignore.
0: Yeah. What we're doing. yeah. 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 And I think that's, we just need to take a step back at the beginning. And that's why I had it even before the translator part, right? It, just in our own minds, before we even just, you know, how are we reacting and responding and why do we react and respond that way? Yeah. And understand that. Yeah. I
3: think it's also recognizing that our culture impacts us even in how we think about our faith. It does. Um, yeah and we, we assume sometimes that our faith is pure that it's it's, it's but our culture influences even how we look at scripture even how we see it and we don't because it's our culture we
0: don't notice it we don't recognize it and yeah americanize the scripture yeah american they just like it's studio yeah yeah well because we're products of culture right and we we view everything through that cultural lens so yeah well
1: case where you run into such a dramatic cultural difference do you ever speak to the fact that in a gentle way that the shaman is not, not, not the way to heal in other words
0: you don't want to put them down but obviously yeah. the problem was
3: created by...
0: yeah I mean I in our ministry we never made it a point we, we made it a point to never um, say that somebody was wrong that way but we would say that Christ has greater power. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and again, I think partly, well, I remember uh, older missionaries said, we don't want to be the, the ministry of against. We want to be the ministry of for, you know, because we're the God who's for us. Yeah, yeah. Let me close us in prayer, and then I'll stick around for some more questions. Father God, you are a God of hope and love and grace and mercy in our lives. And we so desire to share that with the people around us, with the patience that you've placed in our lives, uh, in our communities, uh, with our friends and family. Just help us to be uh, people who ask questions, who uh, take a a position of humility, who um, seek to understand um, so that we can be vessels for you and be able to communicate in a faithful way um, who you are and the, the, the joy and the hope that you give. Uh, be with us, Lord, as we go out, as we um, fall back into our work and our studies and whatever else we do. May we be a light that shines brightly for you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.